Yo, what's up? Welcome to Kind of Funny Games Daily for Tuesday, March 3rd, 2020. I'm one of your hosts, Blessing, Eddie Oye Jr., and joining me is Imran, the Don Khan. Imran, how you doing? I'm doing good. You know what's hard for me to do these days? What's that? Not touch my face. Dude, right? Like, I, I had to learn that the hard way. When I was a teenager, <laughs> getting pimples every single day, a new pimple, new pimple would arise every single day as mm-hmm. I woke up from from slumber. And it took me a while to figure out how to not touch my face. Turns out, just gotta just not touch my face. Yeah, I know. <laughs> you just really gotta not do it. Like even when talking about it, it's like uh, I I was telling someone about it and I actually like stroked my beard. I was yeah. like, oh no, this is a bad idea. Yeah. I should not be doing things that are going to directly put like germs in my body. And I, I do the, I do the thing where I. I like to rub the bottom of my chin with the back of my fingers after uh-huh. I shave because there's like a there's like a smooth smoothness there and you can like feel like the yeah. hair is growing back and it feels it's it's We're it feels nice to do but it's a thing where I like I find myself wanting to do that in the middle of the day and I'm just like no I can't I can't <laughs> because I'm gonna look I'm gonna look bad if I do that yeah now is this like a coronavirus thing or this is you, a coronavirus thing okay you're I would normally not, not care to, but okay. like if I get sick then whatever but I'm just trying to like best practices you yeah. know. You gotta shave the beard then. That's what Gary Wood was telling everybody. Absolutely, I would rather die. <laughs> you don't want to shave the beard? I look like a ten-year-old when I don't have the beard. Honestly, like it, it's a, honestly the thing I think that's why most game journalists have beards is because we look really young, young if we don't have them. That makes sense. When are you, you look- when are you gonna grow the beard? Is the question. I I'm afraid to because mm-hmm. it's not it's not a thing that it's not that I can't grow beard is that i've never really tried it and now that i've said that everybody's gonna be like blessing try it grow the beard but it's the process i don't like the itchiness and then also i just don't know how raggedy i'm gonna look i mean you did just describe how much you like the smoothness of the yeah skin, and i do so like, and i do like the smoothness of the skin and so it's something that i i kind of want to hold on to. don't feel pressure because everybody else here has like grows out a beard Thank you, yes. you know? the only reason i have my beard is because i'm fucking lazy <laughs> so like <laughs> i like i want to shave because i like my more like clean shaven look but I just get lazy and then I don't shave for like a month. The know? thing yeah. is, I think like the beard is more work. Yeah. Honestly, like to like wash it and condition it and all that stuff. If you want to have a nice looking beard, if you want to just grow out whatever. I mean, that's then, my like, thing yeah. too. That's why I also like don't grow out my hair too long. Mm-hmm. Is because I don't like I even the 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 um the waiting for it to dry after taking a shower is too much for me, right? <laughs> I like the idea of getting out of the shower and not having to, like, worry about my hair and having that be one less thing to worry about. Yeah, no, when I cut my hair short, I'm like, fuck yeah, I don't have to, like, sit there with a towel and actually, yeah. like, try to dry it forever. Now, Imran, I have a question for you. Mm-hmm. Top three club bangers. <laughs> so I saw you you and Cool Greg talking about this last night, yeah. and I'm like, I don't have anything. Like, really? Whatever. You're not, you're not a, you don't go to the club? I'm not a club kid, really, no. You don't even like club music, though? I like club music fine. I couldn't identify any. It's like fonts. Like, if you told me a font, I'd be like, yeah, that font's kind of cool. I have no idea what it's called. I've never heard club bangers <laughs> bangers compared to fonts before, but yeah. I can see it. I, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to read some off, and I'm going to have you tell me yes or no. Just based on the name? Just based on the name or the song. Okay, just tell me yes or no. Okay. Lose Control by Missy Elliott. Yes. Okay, and you're, you're aware of what that song is? No, but really? I know who Missy Elliott is. Oh, that's... Dude, that's a banger. I right bet there. if you made me listen to it, I'd be like, "Yeah, no, I get, I've heard that before." Okay, you probably all of these, most of these, you'll probably have heard before okay. in some capacity. I don't fuck with you by Big Sean. Yes, I don't fuck with you. Yeah, Barrett likes it, so yeah. Low by Alyssa. Alyssa loves "I Don't Fuck with You." Dude, that's <laughs> such a good song. She loves that. Dude, that DJ, like, DJ that might be Kanye, man. That might be her anthem. You know, I'm just yeah. Saying. No, I dig it. Low by Flo Rider. Yes. Cyclone by Baby Bash. No. One Two Step by Sierra. Yeah. Yes. 
Are you are you aware of one two step? I see. No, it reminded me oh of one two switch. So I was gonna say no, but then Barrett was excited. So like, yeah. Nice for what by Drake? No. Yeah, by Usher. Yeah. Love in this club by by Usher. No, I'm gonna split the Usher vote down the middle. That's fair. I'm different by Two Chains. Yes. Back that ass up by Juvenile. Yes, that one I've actually heard. Okay. <laughs> Left right by YG. No. Work It by Missy Elliott. Yes. Blow the Whistle by Too Short. Yes. Get Low by Lil Jon. Sure. Also, we're in the Bay. You should know what Blow the Whistle by, by Too Short is. I'm Again, it's probably a thing I'm sure I have heard. All right. A few more left. Swag Surfing by F.O.Y. No. Mm. <laughs> 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 Temperature by Sean Paul. Uh, no. Oh, my God. I, at this point, I'm just being contrarian for the hell of it. Uh, Gasolina by Daddy Yankee. I like the name, so yes. Okay. Feeling Myself by Mac Dre. Oh, I also like the name on that one. That's so also yes. a, a Bay Area artist. And then My Neck, My Back from Kia. Uh, <laughs> the anthem of being 30 years old? Hmm. Sure. No? Yeah. That joke did not play at all. Okay. <laughs> yeah, sure. Perfect. Uh, this is this is the type of news day it is, guys. Is yeah. that I'm trying to I'm trying to prolong this thing before we get into it because we don't have that much, that much news because today's stories include BAFTA nominees, Half Life Alex gameplay, and more. Because this is Kind of Funny Games Daily each and every weekday at 10 a.m. live right here on Twitch.tv/slash Kind of Funny Games. If you're watching live, you can correct us when we get stuff wrong by going to kindoffunny.com/slash You're wrong. If you don't want to watch live, you can watch later on YouTube.com/slash Kind of Funny Games or listen later on podcast services around the globe by searching for kind of funny games daily to be a part of the show head to patreon.com slash kind of funny games or bronze members or above get to write it and silver members or above get the show ad free now it's time for some housekeeping Today is the big day. Boss Baby Barrett spent most of the past year playing every major Zelda game and, because of your support on Patreon back in January, has been working on Zelda in review, an in review special where Barrett reviews every Zelda game he played, ranks each game, and rediscovers what makes The Legend of Zelda special. Zelda in review comes out on the third anniversary of Breath of the Wild, that's today, as a YouTube premiere at 2 p.m. Pacific time on youtube.com slash kindoffunnygames. Make sure to come watch as we premiere Zelda in review and hang out in chat as Barrett answers questions and talks to you even more about the legend of zelda barrett it's finally out today i know are you excited i'm nervous you're nervous yeah. why are you nervous because i've been working on this for like eight months it's fucking nerve-wracking <laughs> people, are, people, are, people are gonna love it dude i know you are yeah. you already know people are gonna people love are it. already super positive thank you so much to yeah this the I, trailer I was awesome yeah uh shout out to cameron uh kennedy who makes like all of like the dope ass interviewer uh interview uh intros mm. and went all out on zelda interviews so yeah. shout out be to awesome him. i can't wait yeah. to see it thank you to our patreon producers muhammad muhammad Drew Garnet Fructis, Fructi, is it Fructi or Fructis? What does Greg say? I don't Nick? know. It's actually Fructis, but Fructis. I don't know what Greg says, but whatever it is, probably wrong. Drew Garnet Fructis, Blackjack, Fructis and the Kind of Funny Destiny Two PC Clan. Today we're brought to you by KindOfFunny.com/slash/Patreon, but I'll tell you about that later. For now, let's begin with what is and forever will be the Roper Report. It's time for some news. We have five stories today. Up it goes, doesn't. Starting with our number one. Actually, before we get there, it looks like Greg Miller walked in. He has a thing to say. What's up, Greg? Fruitis, because that's what Greg says. That's what the the, the shampoo is. That the is fruitis, fruitis is the yeah. made up part of it. It's Drew Garnier is the guy's name. <laughs> what I had the fruitis. How do you spell fruitis? Because I don't think Wait, I'm familiar so with R U I T. I want to say it's like fruit. R F R U C T I S. 
Maybe. Garnier Fructis, remember? Oh, Fructis Remember hair. those commercials? Yeah. Fructis. I God only remember the Garnier Fructis. Stop I never understood so young. the reference. <laughs> I thought it was okay. some kind of fruit That's what surprised me. Like when Greg explained the reference to you, I was like, wait, did Blessing not know what that was about? I, well, I assumed it was some sort of like either tea or like some fruity thing. Because it has fruit in the name, but apparently it's like fruit tea. For the record, I was, it's hearing, insulting, I was hearing fruit every single it's time. It's insulting. Neither of you know Garnier Fruities hair products, and I'm right there with Imran, where I do like oof, not many of those songs. <laughs> <laughs> Number wait, did did you not even know the Bay Area ones? He's I from mean, Chicago. No, I knew some yeah, of them. You guys but live in, in the Bay Area. I've lived here for like yeah, what 13 years now. Yeah, I knew some of them. Okay, but Are you, like, you definitely, Dre? huh? Do you know Mac Dre? No, I assure what? you, you can throw out a person. I'm not going to know them. Okay. Like Millie S. Missy Elliott, of course, right? Yes. You know what I mean? Okay. You got a big dick. Let me start. Like, I knew that song, obviously. <laughs> yeah. like, Let's on. work it. Let's work it. By oh, yeah, I know. Yeah. I remember when it came up. Yeah, all right. Okay, that's, I mean, cool. <laughs> Number one, the BAFTA nominees have been announced, and Control and Death Stranding lead the bunch. This is by Hayden Taylor of GamesIndustry.biz. Death Stranding and, and Control lead the BAFTA Game Awards nominations with 11 each, tied for the highest number of nominations in the event's 17-year history. While both games appear in categories like animation, artistic artistic achievement, and original property, Death Stranding was not nominated for Best Game, unlike Remedy's Control. Death Stranding creator Hideo Kojima will receive a fellowship, however, for or which is the highest accolade BAFTA can bestow. So for Best Game here, we have Control, Disco Elysium, Luigi's Mansion 3, Outer Wilds, Sekiro Shadow, Shadows Die Twice, and Untitled Goose Game, which... 2019 is the year that literally anything can win. And yeah. So I'm not even going to try and guess. Again, Goose Game like, came out high at the Dice Awards, which yeah. is also, like BAFTA from what I understand, to be uh, voted on by game developers and game creatives in the industry. Yeah. So there's a reasonable chance that like all of those are going to get washed out completely by Goose Game. The thing I will say is that I like that BAFTA goes with best game as opposed to game of the year because I feel like there's so much bullshit with... <laughs> Like the quote unquote game of the year award mm-hmm. because I feel like I feel like half of the people like what represents the year the best yeah blessing? it's like th- what represents twenty nineteen there's there's so much confusion it's about probably is it goose game is it the best game or is it the game of the year being like the game that is m- the most popular or the game that represents the, the year I've always found that conversation to be infuriating <laughs> I'm curious what's your person because like Tim and I disagree on this that uh-huh. Tim thinks game of the year should be like the objectively best game of the year. Well, I think it should always be like the the one that resonated with you most. What's your? I thought you guys were reversed on that. You, you, Tim thinks this is, it should be the best game. Yes, I think it. I don't know, man. I don't care. <laughs> that's, why, that's where I kind of stand. I like that's I've, a good middle ground, honestly. Yeah, over over the last, I'm gonna say, one to two years, mm-hmm. I've realized that it means nothing. <laughs> I think I've al- I've always kind of seen it as best game. That's kind of how I've always looked at it. Whenever IGN or different sites would do their game of the year, whenever. Uh, the game awards would do the would do their game of the year, but the more and more I've listened to the conversations and heard and have heard people talk about it, I could see a case for I could see a case for having both the not, the categories of best game and game of the year, and game of the year being more so like a times person of the year kind of thing. Yeah, where I think Donald Trump won 2016's person of the year for time. Yeah, or whatever. presidents always win. Yeah, and that doesn't mean he's the best person, but that means that like he's the person that most represents that year. I can see games being games doing a similar thing, game outlets doing a similar thing and having it be like, okay, for game of the year, we're going to have, like Untitled Goose Game I think makes sense in that context for 2019 game of the year, right? It's the game that broke out, it's the game that, you know, a lot of people were, were, were talking about and it's the game that represents like this very specific moment in time that you can look back at 2019 and be like, oh yeah, Untitled Goose Game, that's that's the game that came out that year, that's the game of the year. Whereas for best game, it's kind of, it, 
not that not that um entitled goose game also de- doesn't deserve best game but that's not that wouldn't be my first pick i feel like for most people that would not be their first honestly pick. like even from that first definition i don't i don't know that in two years we'll still be talking about untitled goose game i think a lot of the other games on that list we might be really as far as like well, well in the, in that context what would you say is the game of the year of 2019 uh in that context because i almost don't know if there is one yeah like, that's, it's such that's, a weird that, year that one's much harder like i remember the year before last when it was like god of war and red dead those are still honestly two of the only games i remember from that year yeah. that was only two years ago and this one i think most of these if I had to say or pick one, I would probably say Outer Wilds. Not just because it is a great game, but it's like one of those success stories of like this game kind of came out of nowhere and had this weird name confusion thing, and like nobody played it for most of the year. And towards the end, everyone's like, "Holy shit, this game is really amazing!" Yeah, it represents something special. It's an insurgency, which I don't think the Untitled Goose game necessarily is. Mm-hmm. Like it's successful when it did like a big, good meme quality, but I don't know that it's. It, again, this depends on what definition we decide to go yeah. with best game <laughs> really means. But. Yeah. And so, like, I, I I personally would like to see those things both represented, best game and game of the year. And game of the year, have that being more of a cultural, what is the game that represents the, this year the most? Because I feel like that is an interesting conversation also. Like, mm-hmm. I feel like that's a fun conversation to have. And best game is also, like, a fun conversation to have as far as what game was designed the best, what game had the most polish, what game, like, what are, like, the 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 checkboxes that we're listing off that games have to tick in order to become the best game of the year? Yeah. And how do we compare compare them to each other? What do you make of Death Stranding getting so many nominations and get Kojima getting a fellowship, but not being on best game? I get it. it like, <laughs> Death Stranding is such a weird game that I could I could understand the argument for people being like, Death Stranding had, you know, one of the best soundtracks, looked the best out of any game last year had some of the most unique and maybe even best direction you know did whatever with story like i I could see all these different things and i could see i could see the same person saying all those things also saying that hey the way it came together didn't necessarily do it for me and that Mm -hmm. same person is saying ah but entitled goose game that should be a nominee you know what i'm saying that's a strange person (laughs) god (laughs) why i i get it for the meme but is it a good game I mean, according to the BAFTAs, it's one of the best. All right, <laughs> and so I can't, I can't really argue with I mean, it. It's right there on the best game list. Yeah, like, not game of the year, not game of the year, but best game. Yes, untitled <laughs> goose game, according to the BAFTAs. Charles Jacobson writes in and says, "Greetings, blessing, and Imran." So the BAFTA Games nominees have been announced, and going through the various categories, I noticed one really odd choice: debut games, de- debut game list, Death Stranding. Uh, I went to check if maybe I didn't understand the category, but I did. Quote, it is, gi- it is given in honor of the best first game from any studio or individual, end quote. I realize the current Kojima Productions isn't the same as the previous. However, the majority of people came from it, and it's certainly not Kojima's first game. How do you feel about this nomination? I love Death Stranding, but is this but this is a nomination I can't agree with. It also it also feels odd given the amount of backing KP had from Sony compared to compared to say Knights and Bikes made by a two man studio with assistance from a couple of collaborators. Imran, I'm gonna open up the link to gamesinstrument.biz because I want to see the other nominees for best debut. Mm-hmm. But off the bat, does this strike you as strange? I mean, yes and no. Like, again, as far as I know, BAFTAs are uh, peer-nominated, so maybe they just don't do any checking when they got a nomination. It was like, yeah, no, this fine. It counts. Uh, Game Awards had a very simple or similar thing this past year where I think, like, best... There was a category simply for... I think it was Subway Fresh or whatever was uh, best new game from a debut studio and yeah. included studios that... It included Goose Game from uh, House House, who has 
made other games before. Yeah. So it's uh, weird. I guess they literally they don't check or they go like, well, yeah, maybe they have, but this is the big one. Or they're like, well, we don't care. Like, uh-huh. it could be that they worked on Metal Gear, but this is a rebirth for the character or the uh, studio for the studio and for the designer and all that stuff. So maybe they consider it a new one. Maybe it's just they want to give Kojima another award because. But Europe fucking loves Kojima. Mm-hmm. Like the debut nom- debut debut game nominees on the PAFTA website are Ape Out, mm-hmm. Death Stranding, Disco Elysium, mm-hmm. Katana Zero, Knights and Bikes, and Manifold Garden. And within like within those nomi- nominations, Death Stranding just stand out as like a a particular one. <laughs> yeah, I mean it's a it's a weird category in general. It is. Like, most of the ones you listed were people who have made other games or bit worked at big studios. Yeah. previously and now they've broken out and made their own indie studio i think it's real weird company to have like a bunch of really insurgent indie games and then like fucking death stranding which had a hundred million dollars spent on it or whatever mm-hmm. but i mean we don't know that it's gonna win it's in the nomination list yeah and that's my thing too i feel like that that might kind of hold it back mm-hmm. from winning a bit but I don't really have a problem with it being nominated because technically it is the studio's debut game, even if the studio is the rebirth of a studio that already existed. Yeah. Technically, it's a new studio. And so I, I'm not too broken up about it. Um, but yeah, like I don't really I don't I don't really see it being a problem. I was actually really I didn't think I realized until last year sometime that it's still called Kojima Productions. Really? I thought it was like Ludums or something. No, that was like their well one, I think like the Ludin thing is like their mascot, but then it's like it's more so like a philosophy, it's like a religion. <laughs> <laughs> that is the most Kojima ass explanation you could give. Like Yeah, I know. I, I th- they had the mascot and they're like, Yeah, Ludens and I'm like, Okay, cool, that's a cool new name for a studio And later it was like, Yeah, Kojima Productions make this game. It's like, What? They wasn't that just a sub studio of Konami? But I guess not. And I guess they're new enough that they're this is the best debut. There you go. I disagree with phrasing on that, but sure. Number two, and Bear, I'm going to need your assistance on this one as far as video, uh, uh, video assistance. I don't know, man. Sounds like a lot. Um, well, number two, Valve drops some Half-Life Alex gameplay. This is by Igor Bonifacique. Bonifacique. That's what I'm going to call you, uh, of Engadget. Uh, write to me, DM me if I got that wrong. Igor, if you're watching this, you're probably not. With just a couple of short weeks before Half-Life Alex comes out on March, 20- March 23rd, Valve has shared three new trailers from the upcoming game. Having played Half-Life 2 and its subsequent DLC countless times, the most jarring aspect of the trailers is the fact that, that Valve recast Alex. She's now voiced by Ozioma Akaga uh, from Mirror's Edge Catalyst and The Runaways instead of series veteran Merle Dandridge. However, once you get past that, there are a variety of interesting details on display. To start, we see the game's uh, three different movement modes in each of the videos. It also looks like the gloves Alex wears have some of the capabilities of Half-Life 2's iconic gravity gun. Specifically, they appear to allow you to pull items to you without physically moving them and picking them up as such uh, or as such, they effectively let you spend less time moving Alex, which along with the different movement modes should help with motion sickness. In the third and final gameplay trailer, we see Alex fight her way through an abandoned factory setting. The interesting revelation here is that Half-Life 2's manhacks return to Half-Life Alex. If the name doesn't sound familiar, they were the drones that would that would hurl themselves at you with razor-sharp blades. At one point, we also see Alex pull a van door to use as impromptu cover against a combine soldier. Imran, did you check out the gameplay yesterday? That no, I did not. This is the first time I'm seeing it. And like, they're doing a pretty good job in this trailer of showing things that you need vr for yes that's that was my big takeaway i was watching the three different gameplay trailers yesterday and 
it seems like this game really takes advantage of you actually being in the environment. So you see here in the gameplay video that Alex is like ducking undercover and there was, I think there was a moment earlier, I don't know if I missed it while I was reading or not, but she like pulls a car door open in order to yeah, yeah. Uh, use it as cover. And in some of the other gameplay videos, they show her, her glove, which is like a gravity glove that can do exactly what she just did there. And so she she magnetizes things to her hands and so she can throw them. And yeah, you're like throwing throwing grenades and VR and all that stuff. It looks really awesome. Yeah, this looks cool. I don't know that I want to play it yet. Really? Like, I want to try all these things out, but like, nothing about this screams I want to play this for five hours. You or know? like, like I want to play... 15 hours. Yeah. I think that's how long they, they've said the game is. I want to be in this playground for a couple of minutes, like an uh -huh. hour, and like, just test stuff around. But, like, not, as far as game design goes, that was just a pretty basic, like, here's an open area with some cover. Yeah. Like, go into a room and shoot some dudes. In, like, the first couple of gameplay trailers, they do have, like, some more, like, explorative, you know, walking around, looking at items, that kind of stuff, too, in there. Yeah. But I think that the, the thing for me that has me excited is, have you played Blood and Truth? Yes. So, yeah, it's it's it feels like, or it looks like it's, blood and truth ish but doing all that stuff better mm -hmm. and then that's not that's without like the big like action like set pieces because blood yeah. truth was definitely like a uh fast and furious like hey we're we're throwing all the action at you explosions all this stuff this seems more tame from that but it seems to be taking those mechanics of being in vr and actually like being uh being in the shootouts and actually like being able to to have that maneuver maneuverability reloading all that stuff. I think my issue and I fully recognize this is completely unfair mm -hmm. is that when Valve comes back and they say say we're bringing back Half-Life and we would bring back Half-Life because we have such an amazing idea for it. Uh -huh. I expected more than this is just the best VR we've seen so far. Mm -hmm. I expected somewhat of a revolution in the VR yeah, like, like the Mario space. 64 of VR. Yeah, basically. that kind of thing. Of like or like Half-Life 2 really, yeah, for right. FPSs. Mm -hmm. of like hey, we're taking physics to a new level. This is like, okay, this is really cool, but this is also not that different from what VR FPSs have done before. It's just a lot more well thought out and balanced. Okay. And, like, that's fine. That is totally a game I'm going to play. It's a game I'm interested in, like, actually seeing. I just... I don't know. It's, it's a, again, a totally unfair thing, but I'm not as blown away as I was expected to be. That makes sense. And I, and I, I understand the idea of not being blown away because I feel like watching gameplay nothing here really strikes me as like this is the next level or the next step right but it does also strike me as this is some of the best first person shooter vr gameplay i've i've seen right like but that's not that's really the highest bar right now like the context of valve took a 10 year was it like 14 year break on half-life uh-huh at this point so why like this is what they come back with which is it still, again, looks great, mm -hmm. but it's not the next big step forward that... I was. Uh, I tweeted a thing the other day that like apparently freaked people out, but the we're, by, this September we will be as far away from Mario 64 as Mario 64 was from Pong. Uh-huh. So like, people were p replying to that going, I don't think game design has changed that much since Mario 64. And like, it has. Yeah. Just not as much as it has since Pong, you know? Mm -hmm. But I'm looking at this and like, okay, the difference between... Half-Life 1 and Half-Life 2, I feel like, is greater than between Half-Life 2 and Half-Life Half Alex. Yeah, okay. I could see that argument. I think that, I, I, I think that makes sense. I, at the same time, I'm very, I'm very much excited for this, just for the idea that uh, I think for a VR game, this is doing a lot. Like, not necessarily 
doing anything that feels super groundbreaking for sure. But yeah. for me, I'm, I I look at this and I get very excited just because yeah. it seems like a very it seems the most the most polished I've seen a VR game, and it's like 15 hours long, which makes me think that. But which makes well, it makes me wonder if that's going to feel like a very natural experience. Yeah. Right? 15 hours in VR, because I don't think I've played any VR game that's been that long yet. Or is it going to be like, there's a natural chapter stop, why don't you take a break now and like come back to this in a couple of hours? Like, yeah. Is that the way the game is going to be segmented out? And if so, like, I, I'm curious... I'm, the main thing for this, for me, is I want to see how Valve handles VR problems. Uh-huh. And I again, I'm going to play this game. I'm probably going to enjoy it. Mm-hmm. It's just... The expectations I had based on, hey, we're announcing a new Half-Life game. Hey, we we had an idea that was so good we had to go, go through with it. It's like, okay, mm-hmm. and just are you going to show me that idea at some point? Or is it just that this is polished to a sheen and you're showing what VR can do from a traditional game perspective? If that's the case, then cool, but I'm a little more... I expected more, yeah. I guess. I mean, does this excite you from the idea that this is... Or from the assumption, really, that this is going to be setting up Half-Life 3, that we'll probably be getting Half-Life 3 soon after this? No, or do you I, even, actually, I don't do you care think? about Half-Life Story at all. Oh, okay. I mean, I, I do. I played those games. But, like, I, at this point, Half-Life 3 has got to be something that the expectations of it are so astronomical that they're going to blow the expectations of Half-Life Alex away. Uh-huh. And if I'm already a little, like, suspicious of this, hmm. I think everyone in the, like who's a Half-Life fan is going to look at Half-Life 3 like, Really, you made this decision? Like you're not, you're not revolutionizing FPSs again, which again also completely unfair. Yeah, do you, I mean, do you think when Half Life Three comes out, and I'm using the word when, take that with a grain of salt. Uh-huh. But like, if Half Life Three were say announced after Half Life Alex, and, and let's say Half Life Three is coming out, 2022, <laughs> uh, what do you think it needs to do in order to live up to expectations? Because I think for for me, the way I kind of look at it is yes. Half-Life 1, Revolution. Half-Life 2, Revolution. Both in different ways, right? Mm-hmm. Half-Life 1 with kind of its setup as like a narrative first-person shooter game. And Half-Life 2 with its physics and technology and all that stuff. Does Half-Life 3 need to do that? Does Half-Life 3 need to really be a next step? Or can it just come out and be a fantastic uh, first-person shooter? Can it be like a Titanfall 2 story kind of kind of deal and satisfy? Need to and satisfy are operative words there. True. Like, I I think for the mass market, if they released a very good Half-Life game that was AAA and had, like, the budget people expect and all that stuff, it would, it would do fine. Mm. I think the people who have been clamoring for Half-Life 2 are going to be like, okay, that was fine. What's next? And the answer from Valve is going to be like, what do you mean, what's next? This is the thing. This is what we're putting out there. Uh-huh. And I don't think it's going to... I don't think there's any way for Half-Life 3, should it ever exist to match up to the hopes, dreams, aspirations, and expectations they've got on them. Man, I the the way I would I would have imagined that those hype levels for Half-Life 3 being something revolutionary would have dissipated by now. Because I'm like, what else what else are you gonna do as far as being a first person shooter? But they, to be revolutionary? They have dissipated, but they come back the second you say Half-Life 3 is coming. Uh-huh. Like once you do that, people are like, okay, well, I have expectations now of what that game is going to be. If it's Half Life Two but prettier, then I think they're going to have not problems, but people are just going to be uh, like, like not disappointed but underwhelmed. Yeah, imagine. And again, it's also a question of like, how much does that really matter? What if people are underwhelmed? Who really yeah. cares? Like, and that's kind of where I'm coming from, coming at it from is is 
how many people are going to be underwhelmed by Half-Life 3 not being a revolutionary of a, a revolution of gameplay design and revolution of, of narrative or whatever you want it to be how many people are disappointed by that that it becomes like a, a big deal right yeah. are most people like hey we got half-life 3 and it's some and it's an excellent game with the valve with the valve budget and the valve game design that we've all come to come to love right being assisted by um the what's the firewatch team capo santo yeah capo santo with, the, with their eye for narrative all that stuff like i feel like if, if it comes out and it is a nine out of ten shooter or like ten out of ten shooter which is asking a lot yeah <laughs> that's like a high bar right there but yeah, I I think that that would be be enough. I mean, like there's there's no shortage of FPSs that are great, but then people just slowly forget them. Mm. Like Bioshock Infinite is a very good example of that. Of like, I don't think that's a bad game, but like it mostly falls fell out of the public consciousness for. What was the what was the last ten out of ten shooter? Now, like ten out of ten first person shooter. Because now I say it out loud, I feel like it's been... For me personally or in general? Like, something that's been widely regarded as, like, a 10 out of 10 first-person like, shooter. I think Titanfall 2 was perfectly paced, but didn't review 10 out of 10. Yeah. I'm talking about something that's been, like, reviewed 10 out of 10 by, like, a by major sites or an, a major site. This is this might be good for KindOfFunny.com slash you're wrong. Four, maybe? I don't because know, Because I, like, I feel like at that mm. point, I feel like we got to the point with first-person shooters that it, it is... You would have to put out a banger to buy a ten out of ten shooter. I mean, that's true in most games. Yeah, like but like, the, I mean, still like God of War ten out of ten, Red Dead Redemption two got ten out, tens out of tens, Mario Odyssey, Breath of the Wild, and I I feel like there are certain genres where you can still kind of break ground in that. You know, I it's not unfathomable unfathomable that somebody puts out a third person action game that is a ten out of ten. Mm-hmm. You know, if you if you tug on the right strings, if you if you do all, do everything right. I couldn't imagine somebody putting out a 10 out of 10, 10 first-person shooter today. It is, is it just because, like, there's too much in the I think right now? Or? I think it's a mixture of there being there there being a lot of shooters, for sure. But mm-hmm. then also, like, what do you... How do you improve on this genre? How do, how do you make something that feels like it is flawless and, and perfect in this genre? Not that 10 out of 10 means perfect, but <clears throat> to a certain extent, I feel like there's so much that we expect from mm-hmm. a first-person shooter... Or not even so much that we expect, but it's just it's just hard to impress people. Yeah, really. Because right. like, what are you going to do that's new? I went through IGN and GameSpot's list of ten out of ten games, and none of them are first person. None shooters. of them. Yeah. I mean, yeah, it's. I think part of it is expectations, as we've been using that word a lot. But, for example, Doom comes out in a couple of weeks, and mm. I'm extremely excited for Doom. I think Doom is a game of the year candidate. Yeah. I cannot imagine a situation where that game gets tens out of ten, and that's that's my like, thing. Doom twenty sixteen is probably the closest for me to a ten out of ten first person shooter that I've played in the last generation, and even that I think got like as, what did that get in IGN? Because I don't want to misquote whoever reviewed it, but that got uh, like either not, an eight or a seven. Yeah, and part of that was the multiplayer. Yeah, which, which is, is also fair. an insane thing. Now, when like yeah, now you look days. back at Doom twenty sixteen, it's like why are you reviewing the multiple? Why are you weighing the multiplayer so high in this experience? Mm-hmm. Um, yeah, Doom got a 7.1 on IGN. 7.1 on IGN. Yeah, it reviewed very low at IGN, but... Did it get other uh, higher Other places elsewhere. reviewed it higher, yeah. But again, like, I think Eternal is, from what we played, was better than Doom 2016. I think the changes they're making that game are very smart and interesting. Mm-hmm. I don't know that what it would take for me to, to, like, using that as a bar. Yeah. Of, like, what would you add to that game or change about that game to make it a 10 out of 10? And I can't think of anything. Yeah, and that's my thing is, like, what if Half-Life 3... Is announced it is coming out. How do you make that game 
a groundbreaking experience? How do you make that a like a benchmark first person shooter game that people look to and in like you would have to figure out a new idea <laughs> and like a totally yeah. new idea and a totally new way to present first person shooters and we've come so far in first person shooters i don't know how you do that right. it, it, it would just have to focus on story that's yeah. really what it is yeah it's, yeah probably but this conversation we're having right here is why i think they don't make half life three or why they haven't made it so far and i doubt they make it next hmm. i want a new left for dead honestly like make that game that'd be pretty cool yeah new left for dead i was playing world no not world war z the arm zombie army four trilogy uh-huh. with Greg and I was like shoot man I want to play World War Z and I was like man I w- I should just play Left for Dead like I should they should make a new Left for Dead so I can play it because I yes. missed the, I missed that era of Left for Dead games because I had a pl- I had a PlayStation I was walking mm-hmm. PlayStation three at that time so I had friends that had Left for Dead and I would be over at the place and I play a little bit but I never really I never I never really fell into it because zombies weren't my thing mm-hmm. now if they put out Left for Dead today dude I'd be totally into it I'd be in for it. <laughs> I recently started playing again with some friends, and that game is real old. Like it's over, yeah. it's eleven years old at this point, mm. and it feels like it in a lot of ways. It's still very fun, but it's like okay, I could just I could do with a modern update on this formula. Have you tried World War Z? I have not tried World War Z. That might be what you're looking for. That was or Zombie Army, Zombie Army Four. Yeah, because <laughs> that wasn't too bad. It was all right. Mm. It was like a strong like. It was like a good game. I wouldn't say it's great, yeah. but it was like. It was fun. THQ Nordic paid forty or four hundred million dollars to those people, so hopefully that. Wait, is that THQ Nordic Zombie uh, Army? No. Uh, oh, World War, World War Z. Z. Yeah, okay. Saber made that, and THQ Nordic just bought them. Gotcha, gotcha. Number three, the ESA says they'll move ahead with E three twenty twenty despite coronavirus concerns. This is by Rebecca Valentine of GamesIndustry.biz. The Electronic Software Association plans to move forward with E3 plans despite growing concerns over the spread of novel coronavirus, also known as COVID-19. Quote, everyone is watching the situation very closely, said the ESA in a statement to Vice Games. We will continue to be vigilant as our as our first priority is the health, wellness, and safety of all our exhibitors and attendees. Given what we know at this time, we are moving we are moving ahead full speed with E3 2020 planning. Ex- exhibit and registration sales are back on track for an exciting show in June. End quote. This statement came in the wake of the indefinite postponement of the game of yeah the game developer game developers conference, otherwise known as GDC, after a flurry of major companies dropped out of the event due to COVID nineteen concerns. This is, this is something we talked about yesterday, me mm-hmm. and Greg, on both KFGD and on PSLVU XOXO, where GDC having been, having been postponed now indefinitely to the summer, which we'll see if it happens in the summer. Does E3 continue to go on? They're saying that, yes, they're continuing. I think it's very optimistic to think that like this whole thing will be situated or taken care of by the summer. Mm-hmm. Granted, like cases in China have been going down and people have been like, getting he- or, uh, cured, not cured, but, like, they've been recovering from yeah. this. So, like, the if it can get done there, theoretically it can d- get done here. We don't know for a fact that that's true. Uh-huh. Uh, it could get worse. To p- healthcare is one of those things that you have to consider is might be a problem in, like, preventing an outbreak of something in America. But I think they're way too early to announce or figure out whether or not, like, E3 can go on. Yeah. Granted, if things get start getting worse by like May, June, there's a lot of big summer things that are going to get delayed. Like, for example, we we think about like the big summer events like E3. Mm-hmm. We have two presidential conventions in the summer. Yeah. T- like we're talking about 10,000 people each in like just an area. Are they going to allow that to happen with there's still a coronavirus outbreak? Like mm-hmm. they're 
a lot of things that are big issues with uh, how this thing is handled in the future. I think by probably May, not only earlier than May, probably like end of April, they were start saying like, okay, we might not be able to do this. Granted, that's only like a month and a half at this point, mm-hmm. but I I don't see E3 getting cancel, canceled unless they absolutely have to. Yeah. Because the ESA needs that money. But if E3 is canceled and let's say everyone does their own events, like let's say CD Projekt Red is out there with a new cyberpunk thing and every year they've been at E3 with a little meeting room off the event hall that like they bring people in to go check out the new trailer for the game or a new demo. Mm-hmm. If it turns out that they did it themselves and it's totally fine and it got the same amount of like social media play and all that stuff and previews despite the fact that it wasn't A3, why next year would you pay all that money to come back to E3? Hmm. Pay all the flights and the risk of disease yeah. and the rental of the room and the hotels and all that stuff when it works out that you can just when do you realize it. it's, yeah. it's easy to do on our own. Or not easy, but it's the thing we're able to do on our yeah. own and not spend all the money for E3 and, and all that stuff. That is a thing I think ESA is going to be extremely aware of, mm-hmm. that if they cancel E3 and it works out that everyone else is fine, then E3 next year is dead. Like... Ricky McFly writes in and says, The ESA announced its, quote, moving ahead full speed with E3 2020 planning, end quote. Despite so many companies dropping out because of supposed coronavirus concerns, do y'all think they're stuck in a position where they can't cancel E3? If they did, would that be the final nail in the coffin for an already dying show? Yes. You think so? 100%. I think uh, nail in the coffin, like they wouldn't cancel next year's show, but people would go to it and be like, this sucks. Mm. And if they end up Doing that kind of thing, like, uh, let's say they do hold E3, but companies do drop out. Then people will pay money to go to a thing where there's not actually that many games, which is, like, that's a worse situation than PAX at that point. Uh-huh. And so why would you ever go back next year? And all the news stories will be like, yeah, we talked to a bunch of people who were at E3, and they said it sucked. So if you're running a convention where the thing is you have to be here because this is where the games are and this is where all the hot things are happening then like the worst thing is not a cancellation necessarily it's being boring yeah and both of those are bad for them but i think they'd be better off to cancel than just have a shitty show this is the question that greg asked me yesterday that i'll ask you how close can we get to e3 before they have to cancel it may may if they don't is that not too soon or do you feel like they, I mean, ha- they have to stick was canceled it out last week and it's in or it would have been in two weeks from now yeah but I feel like that. I feel like the situation that progressed so rapidly that mm-hmm. it almost it became out of their hands at that point. I think by the end of May we'll know if, for example, Tokyo was canceled the Olympic, which is a uh-huh. seven billion dollar issue. That yeah. they're like, uh, if that happens, then coronavirus is still a, a major thing, mm-hmm. and I think that will probably inform how the ESA handles things. That makes sense. But I I think they're better off canceling than not if. Uh, if the issue is that people are going to drop out. Mm. This, this KFGD has been so interesting over the last few weeks because I, somebody joked in, I think, the Reddit or somewhere that it's now kind of kind of funny coronavirus daily or whatever. I've had to and talk, I'm like, like, I'm like, dude, I've talked so much about something I don't know anything yeah, about Yeah, I've had to talk so like much. A, a bunch of doctors <laughs> to do a bunch of research about this shit of like trying to figure out how to talk about this on like various podcasts and whatever. Yeah. And it's the most alarming thing is talking to doctors to be like, we have no idea. Like you don't, you can't. Yeah, that's the thing. You can't tell what we can talk hypothetically, but you can't really tell what an outbreak's gonna look like, because if 
we had it under control that it wouldn't be an outbreak. Mm-hmm. So, like, they're re- I heard recently about a game that they have not announced the game yet because they need to announce a, C- or a collector's edition for it. But they don't know that they can announce a collector's edition for it if they can't manufacture it. Uh-huh. So they can't announce the game. Mm-hmm. So it's like throwing off, like, that very simple thing of they can't announce the thing because they the manufacturing is so concerning them right now mm-hmm. that it's having, like, weird ripple effects through the gaming industry. Yeah. And I expect that, let's say E3 does get canceled, I don't think consoles will get manufactured in the summer. Granted, China's, like I said, doing better. They're doing better through a very authoritarian way of, like, containing a virus, mm-hmm. but they are, like, the numbers are going down. So, but if, like, console manufacturing is still a problem, then... Okay, I'm I'm changing tax for a second, but we're all like concerned about why there hasn't been a PlayStation event already. What if one of the reasons, and I, I'm sure one of the reasons also Sony just isn't flying yeah. anywhere, but one of the reasons is where are you going to put an event to bring in like a thousand people mm-hmm. to put them into a room that isn't already like dangerous? Like yeah. there's a there's a coronavirus case in New York. There's deaths in Seattle. There's a bunch of California. Yeah. Not there, deaths, I mean, but... State like, of emergency in San Francisco, or in uh, the Bay Area. Yeah, there was a... California. There was a, a reported case in Atlanta. Mm-hmm. So, like, even places E3 has been, you can't really just have it. Yeah, this is, a, this is the conversation me and Greg were having yesterday. After, I forget if it was on PSLV or KFGD, but, yeah, he was, like... We were talking about the PlayStation reveal event, so I think it was PSLV, and he was talking about how, yeah, like, where... Like, do you, how do you do an event with, with this going on? And, like, my response was that, like, oh, like, this isn't GDC. This isn't a big event, right? If you're good, if, if it's only a 1,000 people, right, is that really a big concern? And then, like, this morning, like, there was, we got notification. Or I forget, I don't know if it was this morning, but we recently got notification of an event that we were going to go to that it's not happening anymore. And it's like, oh, well, yeah, yeah like, how do you, <laughs> what are they going to do then? Yeah, I mean, like, a cruise ship of, what, 300 people, like, a good third of them were infected. Like, that's... Or we're showing symptoms or might have been infected, like whatever. Yeah. But so the I think if you put a thousand people in a room and tell them like, hey, we're gonna tr- put your hands on a new console, everyone will be like, mm, I'm good. Mm-hmm. I I don't need to go out there for game coverage. I think maybe the Microsoft thing and just putting out a blog post and saying like, here's some numbers might be the one of the smartest things they've done in a while because mm-hmm. it it shapes a narrative. Scary stuff. It is <laughs> scary times we live in. Number four. Marvel has announced a new open-world RPG, dot, 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 and it's for mobile. (laughs) Uh, This comes from Marvel.com. Marvel Games and NetMarble Corp., the company behind the long-running hit mobile game Marvel Future Fight, announced they are collaborating on another game during PAX East, featuring an all-new original storyline and starring fan-favorite Marvel superheroes and supervillains. Marvel Future Revolution is Marvel's first open-world game on mobile. Uh, Barry, can you bring up, I have a link, a YouTube link to the, the trailer for it. But does a mo- does an open world action or open world RPG mobile Marvel game do it for you? First of all, I'm wrong. no, <laughs> me neither. <laughs> it's not like mobile games have a a, a difficult time getting a foothold with me anyway. Because yeah. like if I have my phone out, it's easier and faster to just load Twitter if I'm doing something. Yeah, that's my thing too. Is that when I'm when I'm messing around with my phone, the last thing kind I kind of want to do is to get into like a, a gaming experience. Yeah. Because, like, most games are going to take, like, let's say this is a bit, this game looks like what we're seeing right now on this trailer. Uh Uh-huh. That's going to take a little while to load. Oh, yeah. And if, like, if I have a couple of, yeah, that's the other thing is I need my phone to be a phone a lot of the times. Like, the trailer right now is Spider-Man, you know, fighting villains. Yeah. These look like, uh, 
Like maybe like, like Thanos's like dog army. Thing. Yeah, they look kind of like that. With Cap Marvels here. Like there was another Marvel game for mobile that I think also was Net Marvel. Now that I think about it, mobile that was probably Future Fight. Yeah, there was like a turn-based RPG game, or maybe it was I Max. No idea, I don't know, but. but I played it at something. <laughs> I don't remember what it is now, but. I, I was like, okay, this looks cool. And then we got Doctor Strange here. But then I never actually ended up downloading it. Cause uh -huh. like, I, like who? So Ricky McFly writes in. This is the second question Rick, Ricky McFly in a row. Ricky McFly writes in and says, Marvel announced its new mobile game, Marvel Future Revolution, an open-world RPG that seems to have all the ingredients for building up a lot of hype leading up to its launch. What do y'all think mobile games need to do to break into the con public conscience in a positive way? I think they've already broken into the public conscience. It's people like us that don't care. Yeah. Like. Yeah, I think, like. This game is going to do well. Yeah. Being a Marvel game, Marvel, Marvel game, and Net Marvel <laughs> game on mobile, mm -hmm. like people are going to play it. Yeah, but it's when you say in a in a in a positive way, Ricky. I think that would require require overall trends for mobile mm -hmm. to change as far as how they're monetized and as far as like the gameplay structure of them. Yeah, and I don't think that's going to happen because they're successful doing what they're doing. Yeah. And so I don't think there's really a way. Also, this is a great. This looks like a cool scene from this game. I don't think there's really much that mobile games can really do to change the overall perception. Like maybe Marvel and NetMarvel can change like the direction of their games specifically to mm -hmm. align with, with you know, our sensibilities for what yeah. we like in games. But one, do they want to do that because they're still making money? And two, will that really change how we perceive mo like their games? I mean, that's what Apple Arcade was supposed to do, right? It was yeah. supposed to change the perception so that like. Only shitty gotcha games are not the thing people think of when they think of mobile. They think of like actual high efforts that go for money and like go for a one-time payment and don't actually have to monetize over and over for the life of the game. But a game like that's never going to come to Apple Arcade. Yeah, they want to make as much money as possible, so they're going to go for the whale hunting strategy. Yeah, and that's th that's just the way the market works for mobile, I guess. And I don't see anything in the future ever changing that unless the market just completely falls out yeah unless something happens drastically to where the, the market then does not favor that type of monetization then yeah you're going we're, we're gonna have this for the time being yeah. though if you're a marvel fan and you like those mobile games boom there you go yeah marvel ultimate super fight whatever it's called i will say there's a mobile game i played recently that i liked was mm -hmm. a god i can't remember the name of it now it was like a king of fighters brawler oh that's like, okay, this is actually pretty fun. Granted, also shitty gotcha. Uh -huh. But once you stop, like, if you just decide, okay, I'm done playing this, then it's fine. Like, mm -hmm. it's a free download. It's like, all right, cool. I got out of this what I wanted out of it. Dope. Marvel Feature Revolution. That's what that was. Number five, if you love a cheap-ass platinum like Greg, great news. Indie publisher Radalika Games will be presenting a, a video showcase on their YouTube channel focusing on indie visual novels coming to consoles for the first time. The showcase is planned for March 4th, 2020 at 7 a.m. Pacific time and will feature several new announcements and even, even a surprise for the Nintendo Switch, Sony PS4, PlayStation Vita, and Microsoft Xbox One systems. Vita just sneaking in there. So there you go. Greg definitely put that on the, the docket because I was not there when I when I was putting it together. So if you love cheap Platinums and you want to... Even some of the Rattalika games, as I understand it to be, are good. And so if that interests you, boom. And if you like visual novels, boom. I hope they put Doki Doki Literature Club on hey, Speaking of visual novels, Danganronpa 1, 2, and 3, or V3, is on... It's a bundle that's on Steam right now that's for, on first sale for 20 bucks. Oh. Deal of the day. Yeah. Fucking download that. Danganronpa 1 and 2 are great. I I'm played Ron. one of them mm -hmm. for IGN. I forget which one. And I only played like the first hour, but it was cool. I yeah. was into it. For Danganronpa? Yeah. Mm. 
Yeah. Everyone, I'm so excited for what Rattleica Games has to showcase and what cheap platinums I can get pretty soon. But that's so far away. And by far away, I mean in tomorrow. <laughs> <laughs> if I want to know what's coming to Mom and Grop Shops today, where would I look? The official list of upcoming software across each and every platform is listed by the kind of funny games Daily Show hosts each and every weekday. Out today, we got Curse of the Dead Gods for PC, Grand Blue Fantasy Versus for it's no console it's or for PS4. Here. For PS4. There's There's PS4 PC want release in a couple of weeks. Have you played that yet? No, I've not. It's Th- really good. So here's the here's the deal. Yesterday, and PSLV is out for today for everybody. We do a segment on PSLV for like 104 PSN games that we had to like rank, or 104 PlayStation games that we had to play and then rank. Mm-hmm. And we basically choose from the PlayStation drop on the blog. And so this last one had Grand Blue Fantasy versus, versus and Undernight Inbirth on it, along with like a few other games. And for me, it came down between those two because I like fighting games. Mm-hmm. And my my reasoning for going with Undernight Inbirth was, hey, Grand Blue Fantasy ver- versus is developed by Arc System Works, and so like I know who they are. They're like a big developer. I'll, I'll probably play this game anyway. Whatever. I'm gonna go with Undernight Inbirth. Then I realized Undernight Inbirth is also developed by Arc System Works. They just do a <laughs> lot of games. I think like <laughs> French Bread is the name of the developer, but Arc System Works has published the. They basically own Japanese fighting games at this point outside of Street Fighter. Yeah. And so I want to play Grand Blue Fantasy Versus because it, it, it it's looks very awesome. Smash Brothers like in a way. Is it really? So, like, there's a skills basically, and you can just hit, use an action button in a direction mm-hmm. to activate those skills. But there's okay. a cooldown on them if you do it that way versus executing them. Oh, so it's a, I like it. Yeah, it's, it's that's cool. Like, there's times where I try to execute generally, but there's times, like, I can't get this out fast enough and I need to counter right now. Yeah. So I do rely on those skills, and it works out super well. It's a surprisingly well-balanced fighting game. That's really cool. Yeah. I want to try it. So I'll, I might be balancing that in Undernight Inbirth, uh, EXE, Slur, or CLR. Are, yeah. are you, do, you know, do you understand why they name those games like that? No idea. Because it's very weird. <laughs> yes. I, I, I remember Undernight Inbirth, EXE, late est which is like okay that title kind of makes sense yeah I that's get a real word going with and it. now it's like okay i don't know what you're doing anymore yeah it's, it's very weird diesel tech is out for pc of evil and darkness for pc amiibo battle microsoft microscopic rts action for pc and mac puddle knights for pc whole frame for ps4 star trek online legacy now available for ps4 and xbox one Spellbreak launches in closed beta PS4 and then Halo 1 Anniversary, I believe, is available on Steam, even though I didn't include the platform. And so maybe it's Xbox, I don't know, man. Maybe, maybe it's PlayStation 4. <laughs> maybe that one will work if they try to stream it. Halo 1 Anniversary, yeah. Maybe the Steam, oh, will yeah. If we, if we try to stream it here, yeah, dude. But the thing is, it wasn't even the game that was the issue. It was, I think, the first time it was what the internet barrier, it was Xbox Live the first time, it was and, Xbox <clears> Live. and with the Halo uh collection, right. You have to be connected to the internet to even just play the story, which is the dumbest fucking thing to ever like implement. Uh-huh. And then, uh, so yeah, Xbox Live was down the first day, which is very weird. And then the it was very next, weird because like it, it was even, only in San Francisco. Yeah, because I went shit. home and I tried to watch Netflix because I was watching The Circle, yeah. and I tried to watch it on my Xbox and I couldn't connect. And I was yeah. like, oh. Like, Xbox is down, down. Like, I can't do anything. <laughs> and then the next day, it was our internet that went out. It's messed up. I know. They really don't want to play Halo. Yeah. Yep. Phil Spencer's nah, just, like, we'll holding just... his hand over a button every time you guys are about to stream. No, we'll, <laughs> just, we'll, we'll just never do it now. I'm just kidding. We'll do it someday. <laughs> New dates. Guild Wars 2, titled Visions of the Past, Steel and Fire, is releasing this month on March 17th. That's expansion, I think. 
Is it expansion? That expansion I, titled yeah. Visions of the Past. Blame 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 Greg, not me for I always for blame these. Greg. And then Hyper Parasite is out April third, twenty twenty, across PS four, Nintendo Switch, Xbox One, and PC. Now it's time for reader mail. You can write in to patreon.com slash kinda funny games where you can get the show ad free. And speaking of ads, this episode of Kinda Funny Games Daily is brought to you by kindoffunny.com slash Patreon. If you've thought about backing Kind of Funny on Patreon so that you can ask questions or a, or get a squad up in, but you have been scared off by how complicated the system seems, worry no more. Thanks to our sponsor, kindoffunny.com slash Patreon. When you go to kindoffunny.com slash Patreon, you're given four simple choices to decide where you want to go to ask your question. Just click away. It's so easy. Even Greg Miller could do it. So there you go. kindoffunny.com slash Patreon. Yeah, show the people. Uh, Barry just went to kindoffunny.com slash Patreon. It's still my face. Okay, boom. Yeah, that's what. That's where you go. If you go to kindoffunny.com slash Patreon, if you're a, vi- a visual watcher, <laughs> then you have the buttons you can click to figure out where you want to go. You go, yeah, KF, bronze and silver, KF, gold and above, KFG, which is kind of funny games, bronze and silver, and then kind of funny games, gold and above. Yeah, Super just, simple. The systems aren't complicated. These. You want to ask a question. You want to get your squad up in. Boom. Right there for you. You just click these, and it'll take you directly to the post. Made it super easy. Thanks, kindoffunnygames.com slash Patreon. That's not the correct link. Don't go to that. Kindoffunnygames.com will not take you anywhere, I don't think. <laughs> Does it reroute to kindoffunny.com? I don't know. Type well, it in. You Let's want see, me Barry. to find out? Yeah, find out. I'm curious who owns <laughs> that. Yeah, just <laughs> type in kindoffunnygames.com. Oh, it's Giant Bomb. What? No. Oh, no. no one, so mm. don't buy that, please, I guess. Maybe you shouldn't have revealed that. <laughs> <laughs> Edit this out, Barrett. Jonathan Arleo writes in. And says, I swear to God, if we go into that tomorrow and it links to giantbomb.com. <laughs> That'd be hilarious. That'd be the best that would be bit. hilarious. Uh, Kevin. What would be the funniest site to link oh, that to? Done. IGN? No. I, oh, man. Oh, mm. man. We we're making some, man. Well, mm. This this is gonna be this is not gonna go like, well. It would be go- <laughs> it would be gauche and kind of boring to like link it to some like weird porn site, but yeah, yeah. Oh, Funhouse! Someone in the chat says Funhouse. Funhouse. Yeah. <laughs> link it to Andy's stream. Link it to yeah, Andy's channel. Andy's <laughs> yeah. Oh, honestly, that'd be hilarious. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> it goes to twitch.tv slash Andy Cortez. Jonathan Arleo writes in and says, "What's the likelihood, percentage-wise, we get part two and part three of the Final Fantasy VII remake in the next six years? Six years? Yeah, Both? possible." Both part two and part Both? three. Have they part said how many? Part two and part three. Yeah, they, they haven't said how many it will be. They said they've already started working on part two. Mm-hmm. Uh, that was about six months ago. Let's assume here that in totality we'll get three parts mm-hmm. with part which, with part one releasing in a few weeks. Yeah, what are the chances we get part two and part three in the next six years? So the the way they've said it is that Final Fantasy VII is now it's not. Don't think of it as one game that's playing into parts. Think mm-hmm. of it as a parallel series of the ma- main Final Fantasy series. Uh-huh. So I assume oh. by that phrasing, they're looking at similar development times for like the main series as well. Uh-huh. So we had one Final Fantasy mainline game in this generation, which is 15. Yes. Uh, usually, I mean, they put out like... Two, four, five, six in SNES era, seven, eight, nine, PS1, 10, 11, 12, PS2, uh, 13, 14, and so they've been going down for the last couple yeah. of generations. Well, 13 had like three games in it, right? Yeah. So I. 13, 13, 2, 13, also 13 like, light, Lightning Returns. But also, like, all those games are much lower budget than a Final Fantasy VII uh-huh. remake will be. 
So yeah, it, it entirely depends on how they like budget these things. I've see I, that the that quote, the idea that they're they're thinking of as like a parallel series to regular Final Fantasy makes me think that it might actually be longer. Because like now that makes me think, oh, are we gonna get Final Fantasy seven remake and then get Final Fantasy sixteen and then remake two and then seventeen? I think that's I, totally possible. Oh, I hope not, because <laughs> that's. Now we're looking at generations. Now yes, we're looking no, at like we, we how many generations are we going to be playing Final Fantasy VII for? I think there's a decent chance we're on a PlayStation Six. So we'll be playing. <laughs> we'll be finishing the Final Fantasy VII remake. Uh, like I don't think too deep into the generation, but I uh-huh. I don't think like this is a short term project for them. I think this is for the next decade or so. Is this is one of those series that's going to happen? I'm going to say part two. There's a 95 percent chance we get it in the next six years. Part three, I'm gonna say thirty percent chance. Now that's with and this be thinking maybe they're like maybe I'm not having enough hope and they are rushing them <laughs> and they're like and they're already they're they're developing these in overlap right maybe they're built on the same systems the same the same the same structures so all yeah that, stuff. that is a question like how much they're reusing between parts yeah because in that case I can see it being three years between each of them but that said I don't know how I know Final Fantasy takes a while sometimes yeah. And so, yeah, I'm going to go 95% for part two. I think I, we'll like, definitely get part two within the next six years. You played the demo, right? Yeah. You, there's a part in the demo where Cloud's remembering Sephiroth and he like, or hallucinating Sephiroth. Mm. And he sees the iconic scene of him like in fire and walking, or turning around. Mm. That was used in Nibelheim originally. Or not Nibel, it was used in Nibelheim flashback in the, what was the town? Column. But that means to me that they're, already looking forward to certain scenes uh-huh. and they can have them to reuse. So they are probably going to be a little bit shorter by virtue of that. At E3, at E3 last year, I talked to, who was it? Kitase. And I asked him like, hey, are games going to, are the games going to go any faster for the next ones? And he, re- he replied like, we don't think they're going to go that much faster. Th- immediately after that meeting, Square Enix mm. sent out a PR email to everyone saying, "Like, <laughs> hey, yeah, he didn't mean that. He, we're already starting on the second one. Uh-huh. They, they should go a bit faster from then on." So Square, I think, is aware of how long this is going to take. Yeah, but uh, they, the creative people, don't think it's going to be that much shorter. That's here. And this, this has been five years, but granted, they also stopped and restarted at some point. Hmm. It scares me. Yeah. Jamie S writes in and says, "What's good, Blessing and Ron? There's a long question here." <clears throat> Following up on my write-in form yesterday regarding the, the ongoing situation with NVIDIA GeForce Now, there are two articles posted yesterday that I think add a lot to the conversation. The first is from Patrick Klepik at Vice Gaming. Uh, that article is called, Some Developers Don't Know Their Games Are Streaming on GeForce Now, and he mm-hmm. links the article. Apparently, Hinterland is not, only, is not the only dev, and I think Hinterland was the dev that, uh, didn't, that removed the long dark, uh, if I believe this is referencing what, I'm, what I think it's referencing. Apparently, Hinterland is not the only dev who was not notified by NVIDIA that their games would be included on GeForce Now. Vice contacted multiple indie de- developers listed in the article who all claimed they were never notified, some having no idea the service even existed. In a separate article on The Verge titled, quote, NVIDIA's GeForce Now is becoming an important test for, f- for the future of cloud gaming, Nick Stat dives in on why it's important for, the de- for developers to be able to, de- to remove their games from a service like GeForce Now, the main argument being that participation in GeForce Now could ultimately result in revenue loss for the dev as it, reduced, as it reduces the avenues through which they can sell new copies of their games, specifically mobile ports and on other cloud services such as Stadia. I have so many questions about all of this, but I'll try to rein myself in. One, 
The number of devs who were unaware they were on GeForce Now suggests no efforts were made to contact smaller developers. Is this wrong? Even if NVIDIA isn't legally obligated to do so, is there an ethical or moral obligation to notify these devs? Two, GeForce Now seems to be highlighting a crossroads in the future of game streaming services with one path favoring consumers, the other path favoring the devs. Which potential streaming feature is the better option? Is there a compromise that would benefit everyone? Thank you for reading. Uh, and thank you. Yeah. Thank you for reading. Imran, this is a conversation that me and Greg had on uh, yesterday on Games Daily mm-hmm. to where this was sparked by the dev of Long Dark, who I believe is Hinterland, who he, yeah. he's referencing here. Taking the, taking their game off of GeForce NVIDIA now because and essentially saying they weren't notified that the game were gonna, was going to be on there, but right. not really giving much further reason. NVIDIA offered them a free GPU as yeah. compensation. What what what's your take on this? Because yesterday, me and Greg were kind of on separate sides of it. Greg saying that like he doesn't really understand why why devs wouldn't want the games on NVIDIA GeForce now because those games are in your library already. This, isn't this good for consumers, right? And I'm I was more of the mind that. Not necessarily that it's a good business business decision not to have your games on GeForce NVIDIA now, but I understand the idea of, you know, either feeling slighted because you weren't notified your game was on the service, mm-hmm. or the idea that you know you want you want control over your IP, you want control over where your where your games are going to be, and so I understand as like a almost like a cocky thing of like, hey, no, you're not going to have my game on your service without asking me that kind of thing. Where are you at with all this? I'm going to frustrate you and say that you're both kind of right. Like, mm-hmm. it's. I mean, there's both sides to it. Like, legally and ethically, legally, no, you don't have to notify them, I I guess, because the law on this has not been written, so yeah. we don't know. But ethically, yeah, you absolutely should tell a developer where that game is being available for a subscription service that they're we're, they're not getting any profit from, they're not uh, seeing any real work with. I don't think that NVIDIA is necessarily in the wrong to say, hey, our library is just your library, so uh-huh. whatever it is, that's fine. You can use it. Like, if you were running a rental, not rental place, but, like, let's say a party bus, okay. and you had video games, and you were like, we have this entire video game library, like, bring it, or you could just bring your own disc and play it in there, but we're charging you by the hour to play it. They don't have to notify Activision that, we're yeah, people are playing Call of Duty in our party bus. Mm-hmm. That's kind of the idea behind GeForce Now. That said, absolutely, if your game is being played in a way that you didn't necessarily intend, mm-hmm. you should at least get a heads up and be told that, like, hey, your game is being supported by this thing because how that game is played on that service reflects on you as a developer. And you suddenly have to start doing customer support for a thing you didn't even know was happening. So, like, let's say GeForce does something about GeForce streaming breaks a part of the long dark. I don't know enough about that to say for like what that might be, but let's hypothetically that happens. Mm. And someone sends you an email saying like, "Hey, this isn't working on GeForce now. What's the deal?" You can't be like, "I had no idea this was on GeForce now. I'm not involved in that process at all. I can't troubleshoot this for you in any way, and we can't like look at it in our end." Uh huh. It's a it's a complicated thing that I do, I'm touching my face again. Uh, that I don't think there's an easy answer for. But at the end of the day, Nvidia is charging money for a service that developers don't see any money from. Yeah, and is using the the almost entirety of this the entirety of the service is based on their computers and your games. So it's hard to say who like. Is it a pro-consumer argument? Is it an anti... 
I saw somebody saying this is just corporations not are stomping over the little guy. But no, it's not corporations stomping over the little guy. It's corporations fighting each other. NVIDIA's valued at $200 billion. Uh-huh. Like, if they wanted to talk to any developers or pay some out or whatever, they could totally do that. It just, that's not what their business plan is for this thing. Mm-hmm. So, this is going to be an interesting fight. I'm kind of like, it kind of makes me sympathize with Stadia a little bit. Because Stadia could have done this shit too and they didn't. Yeah. So. Yeah, as far as like the, you know, are they legally ob- obligated to do so? Or, is, or do they have an ethical or moral obligation in, to notify devs, right? Obviously, they're not legally obligated to do so well we don't know that yet we don't know that yet yes. but i figure like if they if they were i feel like this would have already kind of blown up already or maybe people just don't know because i mean we, laws not there yet like yeah laws just haven't been written about it mm-hmm. and like or precedent hasn't been set someone hasn't sued someone else over this yeah but, but i i think at the very least like there's a courtesy there to hit up everybody whose games are going to be on your service to let them know that yeah. this is happening they 100 percent have a list of games that are supported yeah like nvidia knows what they have internally if not externally as well they should be knocking on every send a courtesy email at very and ask permission because mm-hmm. i guarantee you probably most of those indie developers are like yeah sure if this is another place i'll get my game sold and fine yeah but no one's going to be happy about just having their shit taken and then uh even if it was sold somewhere else mm-hmm. now it's time to squat up Gary writes in and says, looking for some fellow PC nerd KFBFs. Lately, I've been playing Monster Hunter World and Destiny 2, but into a wide variety of games. Hit me up. Shout out to any Cleveland area best friends. Gary is Real Zombro on Steam. That's R-E-A-L-Z-O-M-B-R-O. Real Zombro. Yeah, on Cleveland. Steve. Or on Steam. Let's go, Steve. Cleveland. Woo! Now it's time for kindoffunny.com slash you're wrong. Remember, you can write in to let us know what we've gotten wrong as we get it wrong. And let's see what we got wrong here. Uh, Nanobiologist writes in and says, Imran's confusion regarding Kojima Productions may have come from them revealing Ludens, the company's mascot, first while saying that it was a tease for the first game. Well, that was something we kind of... Yeah, we got into that a little bit. Overwatch Um, was the last FPS to win Game of the Year. That's true. Modern Warfare is arguably... Mm, I, I could see the argument. Metroid Prime is one I definitely forgot. Oh, yeah. Yeah. That's that, a good one. I mean, that, it, is that why they considered it a 10 out of 10 game, though? Metroid Prime? I would say yes. Metroid Prime won for sure. I know. Oh, it, it was on neither IGN or GameSpot's list of 10 out of 10 yeah, games. Yeah, but IGN gave Doom a 7, so what I do they know? know? Oh, man. Fucking <laughs> idiots over there, you yeah. know? Calling you out, Dan Fools. Stapleton. Come on, Jonathan Dornbush. Stop up your game. Dan Stapleton, come find me, Dan Stapleton. <laughs> I got some words. <laughs> Uh, Angel writes in and says, Ludens isn't a religion as much as it is. I was joking about the re- religion, by the way. Uh, as it is an academic theory. Ludens is actually a reference to an academic work by Johan... Who's, um, Johan... Johan... Huzinga? Huzinga. I have to like look in because I can't... I literally cannot see some of these letters because it's so far. Uh, called Homo Ludens, in which... Oh, this is the whole thing about like the meaning of play and all that stuff. Just, just yeah. name your damn studio something. Like, look up look up Ludens and and Ludo narrative distance <laughs> and all that stuff. You if you want to learn more. Uh, people are writing with ten out of ten P- FPS games, but these are all arguable. Perfect Dark is Perfect Dark a ten out of ten? Well, actually, somebody gave Perfect Dark a ten out of ten. Perfect Dark's a really damn good game. Perfect I, Dark Zero is one of the biggest disappointments I've ever had. Oh, I think actually the the conversation we we're having on a few game casts ago, games casts ago, was ten out of ten games. Yeah, yeah, ten out of ten games, and the fact that Perfect Dark. <laughs> 
is like one of the highest rated games on Metacritic. Yeah. Uh, Orange Box. But that's... It's like a few FPSs in one. Portal 2 is a really good FPS. Like That's not an FPS, though. What you wouldn't call Portal 2 an FPS. I wouldn't consider Portal or Portal 2 an FPS. I, I, you walk around in first person and have a gun in your hand. You technically, you, you technically shoot portals. Yes. Yes. I, I, I would put that more under a pu- the puzzle category than I would put under a shooter category. I, yeah, I get, yeah, it's a first person puzzle game. Yes. Yeah. It's, it's fuzzy. I understand the idea that, yeah, Portal 2. Genres portal, are dumb. Genres are dumb, first of all. But then, yeah, Portal, technically, I can understand why you would say it's a first person shooter, but it's not. Yeah. That KOF All-Star game I liked is also the same people who are making the Marvel games. That's Maybe that game will be pretty cool. But it also, if it's like the KOF All-Star game, be sh- pretty shitty gotcha. People keep writing in about the Halo Combat Evolved Anniversary Edition that's out on PC and Steam. I did not miss that. I mentioned it. We <laughs> joked about it. It costs $3,000 to buy kindoffunnygames.com. Oh, thank God. <laughs> I was like, oh, I'm going to be in so much trouble. <laughs> Somebody's going to reroute that to like, I don't know, man, something bad. Final Fantasy... Okay. Well, people are... Nail Biologist writes in and says Final Fantasy VII Part Two was announced as in development in November 2019. Yeah. And for a second, I read that as Final Fantasy VII Remake has been delayed to November, and I was like, oh, no. <laughs> yeah, I honestly, like... That April delay kind of fucks over some stuff. Like, Trials of Mana comes out three weeks after. Mm. No one's going to play that game. It comes out, like, the same month that Final Fantasy VII Remake. Like, they're... They're cannibalizing their own games. I'm really disappointed because I really love Trials of Mana. When does Outriders come out? Outrider? Oh, I have no fucking... They said it's a next-gen game, too, so it'll be, like, oh. probably closer to the end of the year. Yeah. Square Enix has, a, has an active year, I just realized. Yeah. They're they're pushing... And they made that announcement the other day that, like, nothing is exclusive for a while. Yeah. For a couple of years. Which makes me wonder, like, what does Final Fantasy sixteen look like? You think we'll get Final Fantasy sixteen in the next couple of years? Yeah. It's been forever since fifteen. Hmm. Fifteen was 2015, wasn't it? No, twenty like sixteen. Yeah, it was like right when I started at IGN, so yeah. it was like late twenty sixteen. See, I so, see a, 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 the way I've always looked at it is Final Fantasy VII remake is kind of, I mean, not fifteen, but taking that place of a new, like a new numbered entry in a Final. It definitely Fantasy is in game. terms of money, but I think they're probably working on sixteen. Whether or not they will announce anytime soon is a different question. Man, that's Final Fantasy Overload right now, right there. Mm-hmm. If we get like that seven remake and sixteen. God. When we were doing the back cover story for 15, things were, like, I have no idea what they are, because just no one ever told me, and no one, <laughs> and I asked, they didn't, like, like elucidate on this, but apparently they, the Game Informer staff was shown things at Square Enix that were still have yet to be announced mm. at the Final Fantasy 15 studio. So, who knows? Maybe, like, they've been working on 16 for quite a long time. Of course. This has been Kind of Funny Games Daily, each and every weekday live right here on twitch.tv slash Kind of Funny Games. We run you through the nerdy news you need to know about. We have a Patreon post show for those that are subbed at the silver level of patreon.com slash Kind of Funny Games. So stick around for that. Otherwise, until next time, Game Daily.